a disappointing week one for the maize and blue, Michigan fans go insane on social media, and we look ahead to the home opener. I'm Adam Amble, and this is the M Factor. folks welcome back to week two after a very disappointing week one for michigan i know all you fans are very disappointed we'll have the breakdown of the game we'll get into some of the twitter and social media comments uh, from a lot of the fans as well as some former players and then we'll look ahead to western michigan but first i really want to express my gratitude and appreciation to all of you for the responses and comments and suggestions and really the follows that I received from my first podcast, uh, my first public podcast that is. I really appreciate it. Please continue to keep sharing on Facebook and on SoundCloud. If you don't have a SoundCloud account, please go ahead and sign up for that so you can receive notifications from when I actually post these podcasts. I will be posting the M Factor every Thursday nights, roughly around eight, nine o'clock. It'll probably go on to SoundCloud. So again, thanks. Please continue to tune in and continue to keep the open forum. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I hopefully you guys did too. So again, thank you. So let's get started with week two with a little breakdown. Basically, we will go over the game. We'll go over stats, individual stats, team stats, as well as kind of a critique on each quarter. Basically what happened, my take on the game, any sort of uh, questions and stuff that you guys want to post or whatnot, go ahead and do that. Uh, again, I, I really look forward to all the, the uh, all of your opinions as well so hopefully we can get some open dialect going here but uh, nonetheless Michigan goes down 24 to 17 to the Fighting Iris Saturday night uh, stormy Saturday night actually for us folks in Jackson here there was actually a tornado a couple blocks to the north which was actually kind of a freaky thing but that kind of blocked out our first couple possessions for Michigan and Notre Dame so that was rather disappointing we had to watch the weather which uh, is understanding but nonetheless still still a little uh kind of a bummer there. Luckily, I had a little watch party going on at my place and we were able to get national NBC on on a phone. So we we didn't completely miss everything. However, it would have been a lot better to to rock that uh, the first couple possessions there on on the old big screen. But anyway, the the first quarter uh, was all Notre Dame, all Notre Dame. They scored on their first two possessions. Michigan had a couple key penalties, including the questionable targeting penalty. That uh, that kind of set the tone. Uh, again, the first quarter, our first two possessions for as as well as our defense actually, I think, actually played throughout the whole game, minus these first two possessions. The big thing that I took away from from these first two scores is we, we had them pinned. You know, the the first three plays, we had them third and ten. Winbush gets a pass for 16 yards and a Notre Dame first down. And then we get them pinned uh, second and 10. They run a little five-yard play, but guess what? We get a 13-yard face pass on Cannell, and that's another Notre Dame first down, and Notre Dame continues to score after that. Michigan goes six and out on the next possession, and then Notre Dame gets the ball back. They they march. Uh, this was this was kind of a, a major backbreaker, if you, if you ask me, simply because this was a 96-yard drive. You just didn't you didn't see that at all last year. I mean, there were some games that geez, we wouldn't even allow, you know, ninety six yards in the whole game. So that was really disappointing. That drive obviously started again. We had them pinned. Third and nine on, on their own thirty one. Personal foul on Metellus. That was the the questionable targeting call. Boom, they get the ball, first and ten on the forty six, and they continue to march down the field. 
Now, let's not, they had him pinned third and six again on this drive, but let's, you know, it was that pass, that bomb pass that was against a backup because Metellus was obviously ejected for the targeting penalty earlier in the drive, and it it wasn't a great pass. I thought it was a much better catch. It looked like our DB kind of mistimed his jump. But nonetheless, they score on that one. Michigan actually has a decent 10-play drive going. They're following possession, but again, had to punt. Finally, they were able to stuff Notre Dame for a negative four yards on their on their next possession. Michigan gets a field goal on the next possession. And then, again, this touchdown drive for Notre Dame, again, started on their own 25, 15 plays. You know, they chewed up seven minutes off the clock on that drive. The celebrity on that one was our, our boy Chase Winovich. Of course, I love Chase, a great player. Nonetheless, Stupid, stupid personal foul call, late hit on the quarterback, and that extends their drive. We had them pinned again. So if you really look at that, the first possession had them pinned, penalty. Second possession had them pinned, penalty. Third possession, or pardon me, third touchdown possession had them pinned, penalty. So there seemed to be kind of an underlying theme there in the first half of football with the penalties at very costly times uh, just to extend these Notre Dame drives. That was one take that I had on the first half of football. The second take that I have is simply the one possession where I don't know what Harbaugh or the offensive coordinators were thinking on this one, but we drive all the way down. We're down on the three-yard line, and then we decide to run some sort of play-action pass. I mean, we're on Notre Dame's two-yard line, and we run a play-action pass to which Patterson gets sacked. He was running for his life all day, but gets sacked and backed us up to the Notre Dame 10 pass incomplete and then Quinn Norton comes in and hit a field goal you know we should have got seven on that one instead of the old three which uh, which kind of was a mo last year early on except for the Florida game glimmer of hope was the special teams we had that field goal and then of course how can we forget Ambry Thomas a 99 yard kickoff return which was pretty insane that was awesome we're all going nuts here that I'm sure most of Michigan nation was just to get us back in the game and we were down 21 to 3 going into that kickoff so offense was stagnant First half takes are, one, could not run the ball. We've all talked about over the week, we all talked about how terrible the offensive line looked. I'd like to talk about something else, though. How about our running backs not able to pick up the blitz? Notre Dame in the first half was blitzing inside all half long, all half long. And to be honest with you, they really didn't stop throughout the game. So kudos to their defensive coordinator and an excellent game called. However, these guys are not young. You know, you got Evans and you got Hignan back there. These guys need to pick up these blitzes or else it's going to be a long season of teams continuing to do the exact same defensive play calls that Notre Dame did to us on Saturday. Hopefully they can figure that out this week at practice and continue to improve because, my goodness, it was hard to watch our offense that first half of football, to be honest, all game, but we'll get we'll get into that a little later here. So the first half comes to an end, dismal, didn't care much for it. I'm sure none of you did either. Hopefully we can make some adjustments in the second half. That's what good coaching is, make adjustments, right? Our defense, I feel, made the adjustments. Now, did they make the adjustments, or do you think that maybe they just didn't have the key penalties that they did in the first half? To me, that's what it looked like. Again, I thought our defense played decent, except for giving up a few key third down plays. And those costly penalties, those drives would have been stuffed if it hadn't been for one big penalty in the first half. You take away some of those penalties, it could be 10-3 Michigan. God knows we wouldn't have scored on offense, but nonetheless, it could have been 10-3 going into halftime. So 
hopes were high coming out. Hopefully the adjustments were made and it was a lot of the same, a lot of the same from Shea, from the offensive line, from the play calling. To me, that was one of the offensive takes of the game minus our poor play on the offensive line and the poor ability of the running backs to be able to pick up those inside blitzes could not stand the play calling that did not fit Shea Patterson's style of play whatsoever. I was hopeful, I'm sure most of you were as well, that maybe we could adapt to Shea Patterson, his athleticism, and it was clear that we did not. We really need to change that offensive scheme or else they might as well keep McCaffrey in there. I thought McCaffrey looked much more, let's say much more comfortable with the the offense that Harbaugh and the coordinators drew up for this game. I thought McCaffrey played a great couple series, a great couple snaps. He goes 4 of 6 for 22 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but not a great QBR rating anyway. But I really thought he looked much more comfortable than Shea Patterson did. Of course, maybe he does fit that offense a little better, but I still think Shea Patterson is definitely the guy. Shea Patterson really wowed me with his ability to escape the rush all night long. You know, that's it's all we've been preaching all week is how terrible the offensive line looked and how terrible our play calling was. I'm sure all of you have heard it from all the social media, from all the networks, from all the sports shows, from all the sports analysts, how bad our offense looked and they are not lying. I do not disagree. But anyway, back to the second half, the second half, more of blah and nothing from really both teams. Thank God the defense stepped up for Michigan and Notre Dame's offense finally started to, to cool down a little bit. Wimbush Played a great game. You got to give credit where credit is due. I thought Wimbush looked really good. I thought the play calling for Notre Dame looked really good. They really attacked our defense to start. And, you know, props to them. They they came out with the win, and they, they certainly deserved it based on how we played. But anyway, Michigan turns the ball over on downs right off the bat. But then we get an interception, and I was hyped, and I was hoping that that was going to be the M factor, the turning point of the game, the momentum shift. And what do we do? Turn the ball over on four straight plays, four and out, six yards. However, we do force Notre Dame to punt. Michigan punt, Notre Dame field goal. They're only points of the second half, by the way. Then we throw a not really a costly interception because at the same time, it really didn't help Notre Dame, just like theirs or our interception on them didn't help us too much. They went right down, or pardon me, they uh, punted on six plays. We turned the ball over on downs yet again. But hey, there's still life, right? We actually forced Notre Dame to punt after six plays, or pardon me, four plays, allowing only 13 yards. And the next possession, we finally get our lone touchdown. Now, it's great that we scored the touchdown, but I'm pretty sure everyone knows where I'm going with this. The clock management for that possession was ungodly awful. Take a listen to some of these times, 452 to 430 to 348 to 316. 348 to 316, it took us to run an incomplete pass to Chris Evans. From 316 to 307, obviously, that's weird because the clock stopped. From 307 to 246 to 218, that is absolutely poor time management. I don't know what the deal was. Harbaugh stated after the game in one of his post-game press conferences that the crowd was a factor. They had that odd silent snap, which looked like they were rushing every time. I don't know if that's just Shea Patterson's style. But it really looked like, you know, his hands were going really fast and going all crazy and stuff, trying to get the ball snapped. But there were a couple a couple plays there in that possession that they chewed up the whole play clock, the whole play clock with time running down. You knew you're down by two touchdowns, folks. You got to score. You got to score quick. There's no such thing as scoring too quickly, right? So we were able to score, I think, what I call a gimme touchdown simply because Notre Dame was basically in their prevent off or pardon me, prevent defense the whole time, which they could be because 
Michigan was shooting themselves in the foot with running the clock down to the very last second of the play clock. I do not understand that. I really feel that was that's poor coaching or poor communication on the offense. So the game ends on a rather anticlimactic fumble by Michigan, and Notre Dame is able to kneel on the ball and take home the victory 24-17. to Overall takes on the game, we've already discussed them. Offensive line must improve. The offensive line was terrible. Most No improvement from last year. No improvement from last year. It looked like the exact same offense. Now, I will say a slight glimmer of hope. I thought Shea Patterson was able to throw the ball rather well, despite having to run for his life all game long. Our running game was garbage. Put him in passing situation, obvious passing situations. Therefore, you know the defense was going to blitz. Again, I've already given credit to Notre Dame and their inside blitzes. I thought those were great. But we got to pick up those inside blitzes at least, you know, at least give me 50% of the time. Everyone in their brother knew that Michigan, or pardon me, that Notre Dame was going to blitz inside blitzes. Their linebackers were showing it all game long. And our running backs just couldn't step up to the plate. They literally had Shea. Shea had no outlets to even run to half the time because they had two guys in there from both sides, the left and the right. So not very impressed with the improvement that was supposed to be our offensive line and the running back's ability to pick up these blitzes. From the defensive side, I felt minus the couple key penalties again minus those penalties I thought they played a great game Uh, pardon me I thought they played a good game which it wasn't difficult to compare the defense with the offense considering the offense was in such shambles it seemed like but the defense I thought played very well they really locked down in the second half and let's not forget that we were not favored in this game we were picked to lose this game I know a lot of the analysts and experts picked us to win this game but everyone seems to be acting like this is the end of the world the acting like it's Appalachian State all over again, but definitely not. This was a much improved Notre Dame team on the road in a hostile environment. First game of the season, new quarterback, new offensive system. So, you know, you got some bugs to work out. It's a long season. You know, let's go out and run the table in the Big Ten, take home that Big Ten championship trophy, and then head to the NCAA playoffs. Don't get me wrong, I don't see us running the table with the game that I saw on Saturday. But again, these teams improve. Let's not forget four years ago in Harbaugh's first game as the head coach of the Wolverines, they went out to Utah on a Thursday night game, actually, which was kind of weird. But nonetheless, they went down big time to Utah. It was kind of a close game, but let's not forget Jake Rudock throwing four INTs. And then we come back and rack off a 10-3 and season with a near win against Michigan State on that dreaded botched punt, which we'll discuss a little later. Uh, everyone remembers that, so I'm, I apologize for bringing it up. But really, our only crazy loss that season was against Ohio State, who absolutely destroyed us with with Ezekiel Elliott at home. So there's a lot of talent on this team. So let's let the coaches do what they do and let's see how they can improve. Hopefully they improve. I have no doubt that they will. But moving on to some of the individual stats, uh, I've already alluded to Shea Patterson, or pardon me, Dylan McCaffrey, having a decent game when he came in. Again, looked much more comfortable running that system that Michigan offense had planned out. Shea, I thought, actually looked pretty good. I mean, 20 of 30, 227 yards, one INT. But I'd really like to look at the M factor that we looked at last week, or discussed last week, which was his accuracy. I did not think he disappointed me at all, especially since he was running for his life on most of those plays, most of those blitzes that Notre Dame was throwing at him. So good job by Shea. He showed me a lot of positive things, and to be honest, not a lot of negative things. I know he went out a couple plays with some cramps and whatnot, but there was a lot of players that went out with cramps. So good job by Shea. Higdon, 
21 carries, 72 yards. That's a 3.4 average, folks. He had that one garbage TD at the end against Notre Dame's kind of prevent defense there. Receiving-wise, our boy Nico Collins, who we kind of discussed last week, had himself a decent game. Three receptions, 66 yards. He led in yardage. Peoples-Jones led in receptions with six. Special teams played a solid game except for the one botched field goal snap. Quinn Norton with the lone field goal for Michigan at 28 yards. And then, of course, Ambry Thomas with that electrifying kick return. 99 yards. That was pretty impressive. I know we were all going nuts for that. So, well done, Ambry. Moving to the defense, there's a couple numbers that really stick out to me. Cannell was our leading tackler. Again, you really don't want a DB to be your leading tackler. That means they're breaking into the secondary. But he had a total of eight tackles. The number that really sticks out to me is Rashawn Gary with only four tackles. Only one solo tackle. So, he was in on four but only had one himself. That is not All-American numbers, folks. And they were not really double or triple teaming him all game. I was purposely watching to see exactly how he would react to this opening game and being kind of, uh, you know, kind of putting that All-American weight on his shoulders. So I really think he underplayed. He did not impress me at all, especially for being a junior. He was supposed to be, you know, supposed to be a beast. And I did not see any of that on Saturday. But I, I have faith in Rashawn. I do think he's a he's a hard worker, great player, good leader. So he'll bounce back from this. I, I, I don't have any doubt in that. Devin Bush had a solid game, six tackles. Again, he was kind of all over the field. He kind of had limited action in the second half due to cramping. So I know everyone was a little concerned when he would exit the game on occasion, but he should be all right. Uh, They confirmed that this week. So Bush will be healthy and ready to go for Saturday. But those were some of the individual stats that really stuck out to me for the game. Now let's dive into the overall stat comparison between Notre Dame and Michigan. First downs, very equal, 20 to 21 in favor of the Irish. A very surprising stat that jumped out at me after the game was the third down efficiency. Michigan was 6 of 13 to Notre Dame 7 of 15. Of course, some of those third down conversions for Notre Dame were far more important than any of the third downs that Michigan actually converted on. So that was something that was very surprising to me. Total yards, very equal, 307 to 302 in favor of the Wolverines. Passing 249 to 170. Rushing 58 to 132, Notre Dame with 132 yards rushing. Again, that is kind of a misleading statistic. I still can't stand the fact that football counts sacks as part of the rushing yard statistic. I think that's ridiculous. I think they should do away with that. Count them as sacks. Count them as you know a different quarterback stat if you wanna if you wanna count it as that. But I I do. I really think that that's a stat that needs to go, or at least sacks should not count as part of the rushing yards. So penalties. Pretty even in terms of yardage, 7 for 52 yards for Michigan, 4 for 40 for Notre Dame. It was the big penalties that I alluded to earlier that really, really hurt the Wolverines. The face mask on the first drive that kept the drive alive for the Irish, followed by the questionable targeting call on the second drive. And then, of course, the roughing the passer penalty against Winovich. Not his finest moment, but that was another big penalty that kept the drive alive for Notre Dame. So, Penalties on third down really killed the Wolverines. I mentioned that earlier. Turnovers were 2-1. to one. Michigan had two. Notre Dame had one. Turnovers really didn't seem to have any effect on the game as both teams pretty much came up with nothing on both of those, the opposing team's turnovers. Time of possession was really, really surprising to me. The third down efficiency and the time of possession are probably the two stats that I really take away from the, the overall statistics on the game. Time of possession, 31-33 for Michigan and 28-27 for Notre Dame. 
I was shocked considering Michigan really only had three offensive possessions in the whole first half. Notre Dame did a great job on keeping the ball and on some of those drives, you know, we're talking six, seven minute drives. So that stat really, really surprised me. And Notre Dame comes out with the only stat that really matters, the final score of 24-17 to 17 over the Wolverines. So during this game, obviously emotions were high before the game. Emotions were still high up until basically that fumble. I still thought we had a great chance to win, of course, up until the, the Shea Patterson fumble. Right after that fumble, the whole world collapsed, I swear. There was Facebook just erupted, Twitter erupted. My texting was just going crazy with all everything negative towards Harbaugh. Does he get fired after the season? Does he get fired after the game? It's unbelievable some of the statements that people were making. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. Couldn't believe it. And don't get me wrong, I was totally disappointed as well, but I was not about ready to throw in the towel and basically say, hey, the guy that we wanted forever, our coach, we wanted Harbaugh. Let's not forget when he showed up on campus four years ago and we were ecstatic, right? So let's not uh, let's not be bandwagon Wolverines here and basically, you know, turn our back on the coach. Let's not forget 10 and three is first season, 10 and three is second season and a terrible eight and five season last year. Those aren't firing numbers, and I will get into why I think Harbaugh should not be fired. But first, I want to get into some of the pros and cons of all these statements that people have been making throughout the week, including sports analysts and the so-called professionals. So, of course, the main numbers that stick out is that dreaded 1-5 in number, 1-5 in against our bitter rivals of Michigan State and Ohio State. Now, something I stated earlier we are two plays away from maybe being three and three against our two rivals there. We all remember the botched snap on the punt against Michigan State, Harbaugh's first year. Harbaugh's second year, we jump out to a 9-0 and record. We go into Iowa, and Spate basically gets injured. Let's not forget we were ranked in the top five for that game, and we ended up losing on that field goal to the Hawkeyes. Follow that game up with Indiana, kind of a lackluster win there. 20 to 10 and then that dreaded Ohio State game and that fourth down play oh it still gives me just a stomach ache to think about that watching it with the family at the old Sanford Lake Barn Grill and we were just in awe it was just a brutal game it actually took the it really took energy out of all of us I feel you know we've just been losing to Ohio State for so long that we really need to turn that around but that game was ridiculous not let's not forget spate didn't have the best game he was probably playing injured that's all up for speculation but he fumbled on the one yard line let's not forget that when we were about to punch it into score and then he threw that that costly pick six so those are two games right there just a couple plays that he could easily be three and three against the rivals if not four and three considering you know the rain bowl last year that was kind of ridiculous against michigan state and last year we also played very well against ohio state very good game very competitive game we just didn't have the quarterback again some key interceptions from our quarterback last year which we crucified it was o'corn who ended up uh, coming in for Peters for that game and ended up just just really costing us the game. But I felt really bad for him after the game. I don't know if any of you guys remember the post-game press conference where basically he was pretty much bawling his eyes out, dating how he felt so terrible and losing the game for us. So um, I, I kind of felt bad after that one. So 3-3, three and three, those plays go the other way for Harbaugh. But that's not the real negative stat that I really want to focus on. And this one really scares me. Brady Hoke, through 40 games in his career, was 27-13. and 13. 
Jim Harbaugh, 28 and 12. So we're talking one game better. Jim Harbaugh is 9 and 9 over his last 18 games. Again, these are just some of the negative stuff that I see about Harbaugh. And the main one that I really, really am skeptical about is, again, his improvements to the offense. I just don't see it yet. I would love to. I haven't seen it over the past couple years. I was really, really excited when I saw the improvement of Jake Rudock over his first season. You know, finally, I was able to say, hey, here's a guy that can actually coach up these quarterbacks, which he has been known to do throughout his career in the pros and in college. That was his M.O., was being able to be, he was a quarterback's coach. He was able to coach up these guys. He was able to take these, you know, these two, three, maybe even four-star recruits and build them up into something that was at least, you know, above par, above average. And that's exactly what he did with Rudock. Again, I mentioned it earlier, Jake Rudock, four INTs against Utah, comes back and just rips off a great season. If it wasn't for that punt against Michigan State, boom, they're looking at maybe a two-loss season. One loss was definite against Ohio State, and then that Utah loss. So he ended up, Rudock that is, ended up against Florida in the bowl game and actually, you know, had some, broke some Michigan bowl game records as we destroy Florida. And I mean, not to sidetrack or anything, but talk about a team that we've owned over the last, you know, decade or so, Florida, I'll tell you, let's uh, schedule them for the first game every year. But back to Harbaugh, his ability to improve the offense. Now he's been stuck with some, you know, lackluster quarterbacks. But again, I thought that was his thing is to try to improve and try to get these guys to play up to their, if not better than their, their regular potential. Spate, I really didn't see any improvement in Spate. I honestly thought that he got worse as, as his experience increased. But again, that could have been because he, he just was never the same since that Iowa game that they, they lost down there in Iowa City. Then he starts off the 2017 season with a great game against Florida. Thought he played very well. And after that Florida game, we were all riding on cloud nine, right? Just just high as a kite because we beat a very mediocre Florida team. But at the time, you know, both teams were ranked. Thought it was a huge win for Michigan, but turns out that it really wasn't as the rest of the season unfolded. But after that Florida game is when we really started to have troubles at quarterback. Uh, Spate did not have a single touchdown pass until the Purdue game, until the start of the Big Ten schedule. Goes into that game, and it was more of the same. You know, didn't score at all in the first quarter. It actually went 2-4 of four before he ended up going down with an injury. We bring in John O'Corn, and John O'Corn actually brought us back. We said, hey, finally, an athletic quarterback, because guess what? Our line was not that great last year. We needed someone that could actually run a little bit, and obviously Spate was not that guy. Reminded me of the dreaded, the person I would never, ever want to say on this show, but the dreaded John Leadfoot Navarre. So, Wilton Spate, not known for his mobility, neither was Navarre. Navarre was more known for his wounded ducks, but this isn't about Navarre. But uh, John O'Corn comes in, has a great game, 18 of 26, 270 yards, one touchdown, one INT, and led us back against Purdue because they were up 10-7 going into halftime. We come and score 21 unanswered points. And then, you know, we're again, we're all we're all riding high again. We go to we improved to 4-0 on the season, undefeated, ranked very well. And then we go into, I believe it was Rutgers, actually. And again, John O'Corn goes down with an injury, and we bring in Brandon Peters. And neither of them really panned out the rest of the season. Uh, we alluded to O'Corn against Ohio State having that couple key interceptions there that probably cost us the game. Uh, obviously, he thinks so, and I'm sure there's a few Michigan fans that believe the same thing. So the quarterback play for Harbaugh has been really, really dismal. Besides Rudock, I'll, I'll give Rudock credit. 
But he was a fifth-year senior, you know, transferred from Iowa. They said, get the hell out of here. You're never going to start. But, again, besides Rudock, he has not developed these quarterbacks at all. Shea Patterson comes in, all high hopes for him. We are ecstatic. Five-star recruit, decent stats. You know, we went over his game-to-game stats last week, but overall stats, you know, decent. He comes in and, like I said, has a very good game, I thought, uh, despite having to run for his life all the time. Threw the ball on the run very well, and again, his accuracy was solid. So Harbaugh needs to harness that energy of Shea Patterson and really start focusing on that offensive line and give him some time to throw or change the offense a little bit. I'm not saying, you know, the I don't, I don't know the offensive scheme right now. It did not fit Shea Patterson, I will tell you that. I think all of you could see it, and I know I definitely did, but I think that offense definitely fit McCaffrey a little better. McCaffrey looked a little uh, more comfortable back there, especially in the pocket, in his reads. He also threw the ball accurately. So I think he's got two really solid quarterbacks right there, but they're not going to do jack squat if you cannot give them time or at least structure the offense around your quarterback. So when it comes to Harbaugh and developing these, these players, I just don't see it yet. I'm not giving up on them, but I definitely think that is one of the more negative things that I see from our coach. I really really am disappointed in his ability to this is fourth year folks let's not forget this it's his fourth year these are his players first two years of course you can say well they're not his recruits and stuff like that but starting last year I don't make any excuses for for Harbaugh and him stating or fan stating that let's not forget you know these still aren't his recruits these still aren't his players they are his players They've been under his system for four years now. They need to step it up and really play for for Harbaugh. You know, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it does not seem that they are. They just didn't play with the excitement on Saturday that I thought they were going to. Again, I think the fans were more excited to play that game than the actual players of Michigan. But again, that's just me. I'm sure that's way out of line. Uh, I know those guys get up uh, for every single game, so. But on the plus side for Harbaugh, let's not forget he did go ten and three, ten and three, eight and five. Again, not a great record, but like we said earlier, two games, two plays, possibly could have him three and three against our rivals. He really needs to start beating them. I know everyone says that, but it's true. I know everyone is sick of it. Everyone is sick of losing to state. Everyone is sick of losing to Ohio State. Let's get back to our winning ways against those rivals. And I really think Harbaugh is the guy to do it. He is the man. He's the guy we wanted from day one. We got him. We're lucky to have him. So another positive I feel about Harbaugh is let's not forget, guys, it's still game one. Game one, yeah, we lost. I didn't see a lot of improvement. But let's not jump ship like I mentioned earlier. 24-17 to at Notre Dame against a team that was ranked better than you, against a team that was favored by Vegas over you. This was not a bad loss. Don't get me wrong. I don't like how we played, but at the same time, Everyone just seems to be going crazy over this loss. And case in point, our buddy Braylon Edwards hit the tweet storm this week, calling out players, which is never a good thing. He apologized for that, but uh, also calling out Michigan as, you know, not the team that they used to be. Uh, for those of you who don't who haven't seen the the tweet, the one about the players was taken down, but there's still a tweet up there. And his last statement was the one that really got to me is, do you honestly feel that Michigan is better than Iowa? Well, yes, I do. And this kind of leads us to the question of this podcast. And I know it's been brought up uh, online, but what are your expectations for Michigan football? 
what have been your expectations for Michigan football? Us Michigan fans are so passionate about all of our sports, really, but especially, you know, it's a football school. Everyone always says that, even though I'd argue Beeline and that basketball team really have it going on right now, exciting to watch. But it is a football school at the end of the day. What are your expectations, though? You got to sit back and ask yourself that. We are getting so upset over one game that we think we're supposed to win every game. Well, it hasn't been like that since, I mean, Lloyd never won every game. I think our best coach actually win percentage-wise was Gary Moeller, who we let go. But let's not forget, take a look at our past. We have half a national championship back in 97. And take a guess when our last full national championship was. 1948. That's right, folks. Three years after we ended World War II. So 1948 was our last outright national championship. Now take a step back, breathe, and really take in what are your expectations. Don't get me wrong. I am 100% all in for Michigan. I've been a fan my whole life. I look forward to Michigan Saturdays. My whole family are Michigan fans. I really, you know, I enjoyed watching with the family since I was a kid. I enjoy watching them with my friends. I enjoy talking about them, obviously, uh, case in point, this podcast. But at the same time, when is it going to be okay for Michigan to be mediocre? I argue never, nor do I want to see that ever. But most of these fans, a lot of these people seem to really just take, you know, this one loss seriously and want to have Harbaugh's head. I'm not so quick to judge. I want to give him a chance the rest of the season. If he he really needs to beat at least Michigan State or Ohio State, beating them both obviously would be awesome. But if he has another lackluster year and loses to both of them, then you really got to start to look at it. But let's not get all crazy after one game. Let's let the season play out. I know they're going to go back to the drawing boards. They're going to have a great week of practice. They got a nice couple home games here coming up. And I really have confidence that they're going to make the improvements. So again, we'll we'll check it out on Saturday. And speaking of Saturday, the, the Big Blue return Back home, back to the big house for their home opener against the dreaded Western Michigan Broncos. Now, for those of you who don't know, last Friday, yeah, they played on Friday too, along with their uh, their buddies from Michigan State there. I always thought, you know, Fridays were for high school team, but that's neither here nor there. Western went and played Syracuse at home, and basically, talk about a defensive struggle. 55-42, to 42, they went down to the, the Orange, and let's just say there was... There was no lack of offense in this game. That 560 yards of total offense for Syracuse, 621 by Western. So it's not like Western can't score. However, they will be going against what I feel is a solid, a great Michigan defense, regardless of this last game. And I think our offense will have a great, great opportunity to try to get, try to get in the groove of things. That's the big thing. Let's let's try to get, let's try to settle down, get in the groove, let Shea make his reads, let the offensive line gain some confidence, and let's our running game learn how to pick up those blocks, pick up those blitzes, and hopefully we can not only pick up an easy win, but also look like we've improved over the last week of football. So my prediction for the game is Michigan 48 and Western 10. I don't see them scoring much. If they do, I almost think it could be like a pick six or a fumble recovery for a touchdown. I don't see their offense scoring against that Michigan defense. I know they had a lot of yards against Syracuse, but Syracuse defense is garbage as well. So I do feel Michigan's offense bounces back. Michigan defense plays strong like they did in the last three quarters of play against Notre Dame. So go blue. Now, the last segment I want to do is, and I'm going to probably start doing this every week, is going to be my annoyance from our rivals. Now, 
Again, I mentioned Michigan State playing on Friday. I don't know why they've, they've done this for what I want to say, what, eight, nine years now, it seems like, and they always come out flat. It's been a while since I've seen them actually play well in the first quarter, first or first half, and it turns out this game they didn't play well basically the whole game, so I don't know what all the Michigan State fans are getting so hyped about because it's not like their team looked any better. I want to say Utah State was ranked 89th in the preseason polls. That's right behind, like, SMU, so my uh getting back to my annoyance was the Michigan State quarterback Lewerke in his post game off on the field conference or interview to which he stated that watch out you know Utah State is that's a great team over there they're probably going to win their division what the heck are you talking about Utah State is terrible I hate the excuse that oh it's such a great team you know you got to patronize the other team you always have to say this apparently in this day and age oh you got to give credit where credit is due you got to give credit to the other team you guys should have rolled over them. You are over a 20-point favorite. So don't give me this crap about, oh, that's a great team over there. You really got to tip your hats to them and stuff like that. No, you guys played like garbage as well. So let's lay off the just because you won, you actually looked great. I know at the end of the day, a win's a win, right? That seems to be the common phrase from from you Sparties, especially on these Friday night games. Why don't you play on Saturdays? Come on. And what's up with the hairdo, man? Come on, Lewerke. That's ridiculous. It's all insult to injury for me. So that's my annoyance with our rivalry for this week. Again, I'll probably do this segment once a week. I'm sure I can find something. I have a long, long list of Michigan State, Ohio State annoyances. So I'm sure I will be able to find something every week, but that will be it for this week's show. Again, tune in next week. Like I said earlier in the episode, I'm going to publish these every Thursday night. Get on SoundCloud. I'll obviously post the link on Facebook, Twitter, and you guys can go ahead and have a listen. I really appreciate it. Again, write your comments on my Facebook wall. We are trying to get an actual M Factor website going so we can transfer over there so you're not stuffing up my wall. But again, I do appreciate all the comments, the likes, the shares, and stuff like that. So let's keep it going. Keep sharing. Keep getting it out there. Get those Michigan fans hooked. Eventually, we will be on iTunes and Google Play, so I will let you guys know when that occurs. So thanks again. Let's get out there and get that win this Saturday. Kickoff is slated for noontime. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. Go Blue. (laughs) 